We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Pacer Nation, and welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace on PacersTalk.net. I am your host for tonight's show, Alex Golden, and joining me, as always, is my main man, my brother from another mother, Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, what's going on? Alex, it's always good to be here with you talking Pacers basketball. The Pacers are hot. They have won three in a row. They beat the Hornets, they beat the Hawks, and they laid the smack down thanks to the Holiday Brothers on the Boston Celtics. And speaking of Aaron Holiday, that guy is hotter than chestnuts roasting on an open fire. I'm telling you what, Fachi. My gosh, this is uh, this is just too funny. Okay, so uh, we'll quit playing around here. But uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> what'd you think there? That was pretty good. I'd say you, you do a pretty <laughs> solid Fachi impression. You sounded pretty jacked up over there. So not bad, Alex, not bad. Yeah, man. So, uh, anyways, uh, enough about the Pacers. How are your Wizards doing? Yeah, I would, couldn't tell you. Why could not? not tell you, but I can tell you one thing, Alex. My Pacers are hot right now. <laughs> A three-game winning streak. <laughs> we just took care of business against Charlotte. Alex, what were your thoughts on the game against Charlotte? Well, here's my thoughts. So, I wasn't able to watch the game live. I was busy with a church event from, like, 2.30 until, like, after 9 by the time I got home. Turn the game on. It was snowing like crazy. Turn the game on. And I'm not going to lie, like, I made it to halftime, 
but it took everything within me to watch that game all the way through halftime. Probably one of the most boring games I've ever seen, thanks to the horrific shooting of Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham, a combined four of 30, I believe it was. Ugh, just disgusting. It was four of 30. And uh, honestly, Alex, that was some of the keys that I put in my uh, preview that came out on Sunday. If you could stop Rozier and Graham, you're going to have a very very successful and fun night. And that's what the Pacers did. It was a balanced effort. Uh, The Hornets collectively shot 30% from the field, their worst on the year. Alex, you know I love my revenge dishes ice cold, and that is exactly what we gave to Charlotte, a cold dish of revenge. <laughs> Absolutely, and it was nice to see Miles Turner have a good game. But, Fachi, could we just take a minute here to talk about the Miles Turner discussion? Because it's like if he has a good game, it's overvalued and it's praised. Like he's an all-star level player. Like, oh, my gosh, 14 points, 10 rebounds, 5 blocks. Like, I get it. The 5 blocks were pretty impressive, but 14 and 10 – if you're looking at a box score for anybody, that's not, you know, noteworthy of a box score. It's because Turner constantly has this, has a bad game. we got to ride him to death. Oh, Turner's horrible. He's soft. Trade him, blah, blah, blah. No value to this team. And then when he has a, a good game, not a great game, a good game, we act like he's some all-star level player. Like, can we please just find some balance and, like, quit analyzing every single game that he has? Look, the man can't be living on eggshells for every good or bad performance. Turner got the game going. He had nine points in the first quarter. I believe it was nine and five rebounds. Really got the Pacers off to a great start, and that's what they needed. His rim protection was elite. He played well. I mean, it's like, guys, you can't just stop everything for every good or bad performance. He's going to be just fine. You know, he sacrifices at, at times, more times than not. But last night, he got 14 shots. It led the Pacers. And you know what? Hey, we came out with a W. That's all that matters. Absolutely. I mean, getting the win is what matters to me. I, I love when this team does well. And it doesn't matter who plays well for them as long as the team is getting the win. That's all that matters to me, Fachi. So I just tell you, you know, this Pacers team has a real opportunity to to beat a really good team against the Lakers. We'll preview that game at the end of this at the end of the show. But you know, I think it's time that we just take a quick break, hit up facts with Fachi, and come back, and we'll discuss this Lakers upcoming game. Is that cool with you? Sounds good. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! All right, everybody, this is Facts with Fachi, and for my first fact, the Pacers, currently 18 and 9 through 27 games, puts them on pace for a 55 win season, which would be their highest win total since they went to the Eastern Conference Finals back in 2014. Moving over to the second fact. The Pacers' 18.7 free throw attempts per game is on pace to be their lowest in franchise history. And for my last Fauci fact, the Pacers' 35.1 defensive rebounds per game is on pace to be their most since they entered the NBA. Wow. That's pretty impressive. It is. I mean, this team has been in the NBA since the mid-70s. Uh, so you're talking about quite some time. 
But rebounding-wise, obviously led by DeMontis Sabonis, the Pacers are on pace to uh, achieve some rebounding marks they've never achieved before, such as Sabonis being on pace to break the Pacers' single-season rebounding record. But Alex, what do you think about the 18.7 free-throw attempts per game, lowest in franchise history? Well, I just don't think there's a lot of guys that go to the Cup very often. I mean, I think Sabonis is probably the most physical player out of everybody on this team. But, I mean, it's not like Brogdon is constantly trying to get to the basket. Same with Warren. He's a kind of a floater type of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know Turner's not a banger. So, just really, I think it's the makeup of this team. And it makes sense. There's no, like, Tyreek Evans-type player that's constantly trying to get to the hoop. Um, in my opinion, you know, there's guys that are con- content with hitting jumpers and settling for mid-range jumpers like we've seen all year long. So, I... It is something that I think needs to be addressed because in playoff games, you're not going to win if you're not getting to the free throw line. But I think that does uh, you know, get a little bit of an improvement once Oladipo comes back. I definitely think so. Do you think Oladipo may be a little bit reluctant driving to the yeah, rim when he comes back? That's a, that's a fair point. I mean, we, we know that Oladipo is going to be a little bit, I want to say hesitant. Yeah. Like you said, reluctant when he first comes mm-hmm. back. But I think by the time the playoffs get here, hopefully he'll get his feet underneath him a little bit, playing in about 10, 15, 20 games, however many it is. And he he's good to go because we always say, oh, it takes 20 games before you can really tell what a team is. Well, hopefully he gets 20 to 25 games and with this roster. That way we can really get a good evaluation on where he's at after coming back from this injury. Because in all honesty, like I, I do not want to rush or push anything if he is not fully healthy. Completely agree. At this point, you know, we're now 27 games into the year. That is exactly about a third of the games. Uh, So, I mean, it doesn't look like Oladipo is going to return this month. So at this point, hey, push it off till January. I'd expect at the minimum at least one more month. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I'm not not really sure when to put a timetable on his return, but all I can say is when he's ready, he'll be back. And the Pacers franchise would be very smart to ease him into this return, especially with his free agency coming up in 2021. Yeah, I, I just as we touched on last week, they have made every move just very precisely and, and to favor whatever Oladipo wants to the point where, come on, how could you not feel the love, especially all the love that IU fans give him, Pacer fans give him, the whole state of Indiana is behind Oladipo. And I think... He knows that. Yeah, and he, is, he was top five in the Mass Singer. I'm, that's that's awesome. That's him being able to take his stardom to the next level. I mean, it got him on first take where it seemed like they, they didn't really want to talk Pacers too much, but they were <laughs> interested in uh, what was going on with the Mass Singer. Yeah, it's first take. Skip Bayless is an idiot. But, uh, mm-hmm. but you know what it is. I mean, I thought it was cool that the Pacers allowed him to go out there and have some fun and try to get his mind off of this. I think it was recorded in the spring or the summer. I'm not sure exactly when they did it, but obviously it was pre-recorded and you could tell because he was <laughs> at the games during the during the performances. So, obviously pre-recorded, but in all honesty, it was just really cool to see the Pacers allow him to be himself. And I think that's one of the things we touched on last week with Paul George and the Larry Bird relationship. Kevin Pritchard got to see that, you know, you know, hands-on and got to see how Bird handled things. And I think Pritchard is going about it a different way. That's why, you know, when Paul George talks about basically like the real villains here and 
all the guys that were on that team he traded, well, that's why Pritchard kept this same unit intact for the last two years, even though they could have made trades to try to, you know, get this roster to be a little bit younger or whatever. They put that on hold to try to make their players happy, and I think that was just them trying to build that resume of, hey, we're a, a player-friendly team. Very much. I think it's going to pay dividends in the off season right now and just uh, couldn't be happier with the group they put around Old Depot that there's no need to really – you know, dive into the trade market when your biggest acquisition is a guy who's already been on the team. He just right. needs to get healthy. Absolutely. So, um, Fachi, you want to move over to the Golden Star Player of the Week? Yeah, Alex, kick it off. All right. Gotta let this. Gotta let my intro music hit before I start diving in, just because I want to make sure that I do it right. So, of course. Alrighty, everybody, and this week's Golden Star Player of the Week is, I don't know, what do you guys think? Um, if, you, if you didn't guess Aaron Holiday, then I'm sorry you're wrong, because Aaron Holiday is the Golden Star Player of the Week, 18 points per game, 63.3% shooting from the field, and 50, uh, 50% from three in the last three games, and 3.7 rebounds per game, all with averaging under Less than one turnover a game. So, you know, Fachi, uh, we've been talking about Aaron Holiday and what his role is going to be now that Edmund Sumner's back. We even mentioned that he might be on the outside looking in, but at the at the latest, you know, turn of events, he's really proven that he belongs in that rotation and uh, making it hard for Sumner to get his chance to get back in there. Alex, it feels like every single time that Aaron Holiday has his back against the wall on the verge of losing playing time, he steps up. The last three games, he has been shooting lights out against the Celtics, 89%, against the Hawks, 45%, against the Hornets, 60%. I mean, he's being efficient. He's proven that he is a very good player playing off the ball, which at first, you know, we expected a more of a typical point guard role. But Aaron Holiday is fitting in however you need him to fit in. Right. And he's when he has it going, the Pacers are a much better team. Absolutely. And I, I love seeing what he can bring to the table because I think he truly is the X factor for that bench. And in all honesty, like if he's playing like this, like even a slight version of this come playoff time, like he's going to be an X factor. I mean, we have so many guards on the team, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when Oladipo comes back, how these guys fit in, because we know Jeremy Lamb's coming to the bench. So uh, another another wrinkle in the who gets benched and who gets replaced in that second rotation, Fachi. I completely agree. I was just going through a bunch of his numbers right now, and, you know, uh, Aaron Holiday is not someone who plays very well in a loss. When he plays well, the Pacers win. So... It it just shows that when he has it going, this team, they, they take that next step. And in the playoffs, if Aaron Holiday scores 15, I'm going to say that I think the odds of the Pacers winning that game without knowing any of the other circumstances is pretty high. Yeah. So I, I'm thinking if he has it going, then it makes this team even more dangerous. And it just adds to the depth that when Oladipo comes back, there is talent all around him. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, this this Pacers team is super deep. So, Fachi, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with our Hoops and Headlines segment right after this commercial break. 
What up, everybody? Mike Focci here, and if you haven't already checked it out, go to PacersTalk.net for the latest coverage on all Pacer news. We have game recaps, game previews, and everything you can imagine. Let's go, Pacers. And now it's time for Hoops and Headlines with Michael Focci and Alex Golden. Focci, what is your first headline for today? First headline for today, Wes Goldberg of the San Mercury News mentioned that the Warriors do not view D'Angelo Russell as being untouchable. Alex, they are expected to be sellers between now and the deadline. Do you think the Warriors move Russell this year? Well, the the thing is, is I, I, I don't know if you listened to the Woj and Lowe show yesterday. I know that it was on during the Pacers game, so possibly not. But what they basically said is, like, D'Angelo Russell is going to be hard to move because he does have a max contract. Now, he is young, and there's not going to be any picks attached to it because the Warriors, you know, like you mentioned in one of your tweets a couple weeks ago, they could have the first pick in the NBA draft this year. So that pick is, like, super, super valuable right now because the Warriors have been such a terrible team without their stars. So D'Angelo Russell, I could definitely see him being moved, but – I don't know if he will be because it's a huge contract and, you know, he's an asset even next year. So why not just wait and see what else is available if they don't like anything? I completely agree. I think right now the Warriors are tanking just fine. They're, they're going to get that great draft pick that they desire. And I think that you want to see Russell with Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, something that, you know, he hasn't been able to play with Thompson and barely even play with uh, Steph so I don't think that the Warriors should move him just yet. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, it's it's just a wait-and-see kind of thing with the Warriors. So moving on, Fachi, uh, LeBron James today was, or last night, was asked about load management. And he said, quote, why wouldn't I play if I'm healthy? It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know how many games I got left in my career. I don't know how many kids that may show up to a game that are there to come see me play. Now, as someone who's seeing LeBron James skip multiple games against the Pacers in Indianapolis, I feel like this is the pot calling the kettle black a little bit here because it's just now that LeBron's deciding not to worry about load management. And I know about two years ago he played 82 games or almost 82 games with the Cavaliers, like made it a big deal to play that many games. But before that, there were so many times where he would miss due to rest and load management. So why do you think all of a sudden he's having a change of heart? I don't. It's year 17. LeBron's played 82 games one time in his career. You know, right now the Lakers have the best record in the NBA right now, tied with Milwaukee. I don't think it would be smart to play LeBron in every game. I think he's saying the right things right now. But as the season goes on and the Lakers have, you know, more of a a better record or a top seed locked up, if you don't rest LeBron, that's just dumb and a poor decision on your part. Uh, I think he's just saying the right things. You know, you got to, for always thinking about that one kid who paid to see you, that's great. But Alex, as you mentioned, we've seen LeBron skip the trips to Indiana countless times. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm shocked that he's playing this time, but I do expect LeBron to be resting at some point. Yeah, I, I definitely think as they get closer to uh, the finish line of the regular season and the Lakers kind of have an idea of where they're going to be at. I mean, they still have Anthony Davis, so I think they can still win games if LeBron James isn't there. But I don't know who's more important to this team, but I would still think that LeBron James is more important because of his basketball IQ and just his you know ball handling and decision-making for this team. So, 
you know, it's it's good to see that he's trying to play eighty two games. I wish more guys would do that, like Kawhi Leonard, guys that you know could honestly be the MVP of the league. But because they decide that they're going to do load management, they're never going to get that opportunity. Because if you're missing ten to fifteen games because of rest. I don't think it's really fair to vote for you. I mean, we're seeing Giannis do it, and I think that Giannis needs more coverage. Uh, I completely agree. Giannis has been someone who's saying he will not rest, and I very much respect that. Now, LeBron did tie it in there, say that you know if he was hurt, he would rest, but we won't know the severity of how hurt he is when he rests. Just him being someone who I've seen rest many times, I'm not buying it. Right. Well, and... Um, that does it for this part of my hoops and headlines. Uh, do you have anything else? Uh, just one quick one. This Thursday, following the Pacers showdown against the Lakers, the Lakers are going to travel to Milwaukee to take on the Bucks. Alex, is this an NBA Finals preview? And if so, who wins? Ooh, Fachi, you bring in the heat. Man, that's, do a good, that's a good question. You know, I really do believe that this is a – this is a possibility. There's no doubt about it. I think I picked Philadelphia to represent the Eastern Conference, but I don't really feel too good about that. I think the Clippers would be a fun matchup against the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. You know, I mean, the way the way LeBron and Anthony Davis are playing right now, I, I can't see anybody beating them. I, I think Giannis would have his hands full because I don't think the surrounding parts around him would be good enough to beat uh, the Lakers in a seven-game series, and I think the Lakers would win this in six. And I think that it might put a little bit of a uh, damper on Giannis Antetokounmpo in his time in Milwaukee. And honestly, I think people around the league kind of want that to happen, whether it's to the finals or the Eastern Conference finals. I think teams around the league want to see Giannis fail because they want to put doubt in his mind that he can win in Milwaukee. Uh, of course. I mean, everybody, all the media and everyone around there, they, they want to see Giannis, I think, switch markets and just go to more of a more of a championship contending team. I do think that this could be a finals preview. I think last year uh, the Bucks, you know, maybe even had a better team, but they weren't able to get out of the East. This year I do think that they might get out of the East. I at least expect them to be in a conference championship. The Lakers, I do think the Lakers get to the NBA Finals this year. It's still early. One injury could change everything on either side. To give us an early preview of who is the team to beat in the NBA. Yeah, there's no doubt about Afachi. And to be honest with you, I'm just I'm just excited to see what these two teams do, I mean, right now they're combined 48-6, and six, so uh, just kind of ridiculous. But if you look at the entirety of the, 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 the NBA, I put this tweet out yesterday, and a lot of Milwaukee fans came at me thinking that I was really trying to diss on the Bucks and talk bad about the Bucks because, oh, whatever. But, like, in their 18-game winning streak, they've only beaten three teams with a winning record. That means that they've had 15 wins against teams with losing records or under 500 records. And no offense, but it's like I'm not trying to say the Bucks should be discredited because winning 18 games in a row is unbelievable, and there's no doubt about that. But what I'm saying is we've seen the ratings go down in the NBA, and right now we only have 13 teams with winning records while there's 17 teams with losing records. That is a problem. There's, there's just like no middle ground anywhere. There's no 500 teams. I mean, it's just good or not and i think that that's kind of hurting the league the parity is what they wanted but 
there it's almost too much yeah i mean right now you're i mean we're even seeing some playoff teams are below 500 even out west that never happens i mean we're seeing the phoenix suns a couple games below 500 you know clinging to the seventh or eighth seed when in the past i mean see good teams out west well above 500 miss the playoffs so there has been a, a big disparity as you mentioned the bucks and lakers their records are just so ridiculous in each conference that it has the bottom of each conference being so bad and the teams at the top being so good that it's hard to find a common ground right now i think that you're at least seeing in the east the teams that are good are all very competitive uh, so I think that that's going to be something very interesting to see. That Not to say there's not a power shift or anything like that, but the the top teams have remained very well, very good, and the bottom teams are just so bad. Right. No, and I mean, it's it's just kind of sad because the Bucks should definitely be getting more publicity for this 18-game winning streak, but it's because, I, to me personally, like they're not playing the Lakers. They're not playing the Mavericks. They're not playing the... The Pacers, Celtics, like teams like that every every night on this winning streak. They're playing Chicago twice and Atlanta and Detroit and Orlando. Teams that are just, you know, whatever. So uh, I, I kind of feel bad for Milwaukee because I, I always root for the underdog and the small market teams because I want to see them excel. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm excited to see the Bucks continue to grow as a team. And I hope that the Pacers can you know, give them a little bit more of a fight than they did last time when they play when they play them this coming Saturday. I hope so, and I expect them to because uh, things are going to be a little bit different. There's going to be a couple Pacers in that lineup that weren't quite there last time, and for that, I'm very excited about it. Absolutely. Well, let's take a really quick break here, Fachi, and we will come back uh, to do our fantasy, and then we will come back with a preview of the Lakers and Bucks. All right? Sounds good. All right, everybody, we have our fantasy update of the week. Uh, all season long, the galvanizing Goldens are taking on the ferocious Fachis, and Alex's team has jumped out to a large lead. Well, we had three games to cover from last week where players received fantasy points. And Alex's total for the Galvanizing Goldens was 191.5, while the Ferocious Fachis came in with a little bit of a, can I get a drum roll, a, two, 231. Oh, my so, goodness. Aaron Holiday, yep. baby. Yep, Aaron Holiday was huge on the week with 44 points, but my man Brogdon, 70.5, and Miles Turner, my first pick on the team with 48. So we were very Ooh. balanced. Can't skip on Jeremy Lamb with 36 and Mick Buckets with 30. It was a collective effort. Alex, you were led on the week by none other than the double-double himself, DeMontis, DeMontis Sabonis. Sabonis. 76.5. Ooh, he just does it every week, man. He really does the, sh- the stat sheet stuff for himself. And then it was TJ McConnell, second on the team with 40 points. Wow. Yeah, Actually, I mean, it was a bad week TJ for Warren. It was. It was. And then Justin Holiday had 34. Then, Alex, it got a little, uh, got a little, uh, there Wait, wasn't you. much going on there. You had Gogo with five. All right. G Leaf 
putting up a zero. I told you I never wanted him. Then uh, how's Alice doing? <laughs> he had a zero also, but I preferred his zero over Leafs. Why? Zero. They're going to get the same, and I've gotten more points from Leaf all year than you've gotten from Alizé. So. Alizé had more style in his zero. <laughs> uh, and then Jakar Sampson, a back injury, will do it for you. Zero points. Oh, man. For you. Well, uh, congratulations on the win, Fachi. That's You've beat me two out of the last three weeks. So oh, yeah. congratulations to you. But I think you've beat me by like a total of like 45, 50 points in those two weeks. And it's- Small gains, small gains. And how how far behind are you again? So now the total is Galvanizing Goldens, 1,897 to the Ferocious Fachis, 1,546. So still quite amount of ground to make up. I am down. 351 points, Fachi. 351 points. I am down, but little by little we will chip away until we are victorious. Well, speaking of victor... He might be coming back before you can catch up. And if anybody doesn't already know, the one and only Victor Oladipo is on the Galvanizing Golden. So that return will just pretty much put a nail in the coffin for Team Fachi. We'll see. We've been on a wig from the dead before. So, Alex, I don't even know if the afterlife will do it. We're coming for you. All right, my man. Well, let's go ahead and uh, talk about this upcoming schedule for the Pacers. So Tuesday night they play the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, LeBron James, we just mentioned it in our Hoops and Headlines segment. So, going to be honest with you, like this is a, the biggest game of the Pacers season so far. Fully healthy. One of the best teams in the entire NBA, possibly the best, is coming into Bankers Live Fieldhouse, and the Pacers have to prove that they can hang with these guys. And last year, the Pacers beat them by like 37 points. It was an awesome game. I would just love to see the Pacers repeat what they did last year, and just really shocked the entire NBA. But I don't know if that's going to happen, Fauci. I don't know if it's going to happen either. That win last year was unbelievable. It had the Lakers absolutely panicking. But this year around, this is a different Lakers team. Um, But, you know, it's LeBron James. We've seen him far too many times. It it just, we're, we're typically not on the right end of the wins going up against LeBron. But this Pacers team always makes LeBron work for it. They always play him hard, uh, win or loss. The key thing is going to be Anthony Davis is, quote, trying to play on Tuesday. Rolled his ankle the other night. Anthony Davis is at risk of missing the game. And Kyle Kuzma sat out on Sunday. So we're going to look be looking at LeBron leading a core that is, you know, no one else is going to be averaging double figures. But, Alex, it's still LeBron. What do the Pacers have to do in order to walk out with a win? they got to pray, number one. Uh, (laughs) Number two, you know, if Anthony Davis does play, I think that you got to put Miles Turner on him um, and let let Sabonis guard JaVale McGee. If you want to put Sabonis on Davis and maybe hope that Turner's there to kind of help him out if he gets beat, you know, JaVale McGee is just a guy that can get alley-oops, he can clean up the glass, so – uh, a little bit concerned about the big up, uh, the big to big matchup there. But as far as LeBron James goes, I mean, who's going to guard him? I, I think he started out with T.J. Warren. He's got the build. I don't, I don't think he's going to do too much to stop LeBron. But it's really just you got to stop the other guy. So you can't allow Danny Green to get loose. 
You can't allow Rondo to get open threes because he's actually been shooting them at a decent percentage this year. Uh, Jared Dudley, another guy that you can't leave open because that guy can hit from anywhere on the on the three point line. And and you know just the just this Lakers team. I mean, I don't really love their role players, but they've been doing pretty well. They've been hitting shots, and you know we saw a Hornets team come in here and just miss everything. So maybe we can get lucky, and maybe the Lakers just have a bad shooting night because I think that's what it's going to take because the Lakers have been shooting lights out this season. No, exactly. When you mentioned lights out, I mean, they come in averaging just over 113 points per game, eighth best in the NBA, second best in terms of only giving up 103.9 points per game. They're, Alex, this team is shooting a staggering 48.5% from the field. That's the second best. And then across the board, it's terrible, but they average more rebounds than us, more assists, more blocks, more steals. They're on a seven-game winning streak, but at the same point, it's like, who cares? You have to play who's in front of you. You can't make up excuses. There is not one man that's going to stop LeBron James. There's not one man that's going to stop Anthony Davis. You have to throw bodies at them. But when you're talking about Anthony Davis, I know we were talking about Miles Turner, I believe, also has to guard Anthony Davis because lately Sabonis has been getting in foul trouble. Yeah. And he got it. He got one of his toes stepped on yesterday. Left the game a little bit early. Uh, I'm imagining that he's not going to be 100. percent So it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. But I was looking at a little bit. Now the Lakers shot just a horrible. They had a ton of turnovers. They shot it pretty rough against uh, the Hawks lately. So you could hope for that off shooting night. I don't know if it's going to happen two times in a row. But there's nothing else that you can really do. If you're not going to win the rebounding battle, you have to force turnovers. Right. Yeah, and I mean, the Pacers just, this is a game where they're going to be jacked up a little bit, I think, to try to prove to the league that they belong. Similar to the Celtics game, I think, you know, getting another quality win, especially this week, I mean, they're going to play the Bucks and the Lakers this week. So getting two quality wins, at least one of the two, would be awesome for this team. And you have to appreciate the way these Pacers compete because I think the bench might have a little bit of an advantage against the Lakers bench, especially if Anthony Davis doesn't play. I know Dwight Howard's been decent, and I know that they have an okay bench, KCP, whatever. I mean, but the Pacers bench, Aaron Holiday, Justin Holiday, Doug McDermott, and TJ McConnell with a bonus has just been one of the best benches in the entire league, especially offensively. So I really, really, really hope the Pacers – can uh, maintain competitiveness throughout the entirety of the game, and I think their bench is going to be a huge reason why they do. Oh, it's funny that you mentioned the bench because yeah, I got my shovel over here and I was just digging up stats. And the Lakers lately, 18 points off the bench against the Hawks with brutal shooting from the field, and then just 19 points off the bench against the Heat. In those games, they had 19 and 22 turnovers. We just saw our bench the other night against Atlanta not even commit a single turnover. The Pacers, you know, guys like Aaron Holiday, who we mentioned before, TJ McConnell, if they can get it going, I mean, this is a game I think you're going to need Goga to be playing. I think Sabonis could be in foul trouble. Maybe Miles is in foul trouble. But I think Goga is going to get a little bit more minutes than what we're seeing of the two minutes, the five minutes there. Uh, our bench has to come up big. They have to. Flat out, you, you you don't win this game unless someone off that bench gives you real quality minutes. Justin Holiday is probably going to be a guy who 
is going to have to be thrown out. I mean, I don't know if he's going to play some help D here and there on LeBron, but, I mean, you need everybody you can get. Yeah, I would like to see Jeremy Lamb guard him a little bit too. I would even be surprised. Uh, well, I wouldn't be surprised, actually, to see Malcolm Brogdon guard him, but I'm not going to lie there, Fauci, you're rattling all those numbers off. I thought I was listening to another uh, segment of Facts with Fauci over here. I'm just like, okay, Facts I'm with Fauci 2.0. <laughs> maybe, maybe, but we'll try not to dive too much in the numbers and just go to just the eye test because sometimes that is just all you need. And Anthony Davis right now and LeBron are in, in the MVP discussion. They're right. definitely top five candidates. LeBron right now, I'd put him at a top three. Sometimes you'll see Anthony Davis around four or five. Uh, if you can take out one of these guys in the game, who would you prefer to take out? Uh, LeBron. Um, oh, yeah, every time. Yeah, I just think that his. I think he's more important to the Lakers than Anthony Davis, and that's not a slight on Anthony Davis because they're both extremely valuable. But I just think LeBron is a, a, a just a notch above him as far as uh, how valuable he is to the team. So um, I don't really want to preview the Bucks and the Kings yet because that's this weekend, and we'll have separate episodes for those. But just real quick, Fauci. I mean, I don't want to touch on the Kings too much, but as far as the Bucks, you know. Uh, what have you liked about them so far this year, and um, do you think the Pacers have a chance against them? Now, against the Bucks, I think that the Pacers are going to play a much better game than last time. That game last time, there was no Jeremy Lamb. There was no Brogdon. The Pacers put up their worst shooting night over the year. I do not expect that to be the case. I expect a hard-fought game, and hey, all, my, all great things in life, they can end at some point. I hope that we're the one to snap that winning streak. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Fachi, let's go ahead and uh, close out this segment. And we're going to bring on uh, Ringer employee Jonathan Charks, who just wrote a nice article on the Pacers and their success this season. So uh, sit back and we'll have our conversation with Jonathan Charks right now. Joining us right now on Setting the Pace, he wrote an article uh, on the Ringer talking about the Pacers and how they've been playing without Oladipo and how they could skyrocket you know, once Oladipo comes back, and that is Jonathan Sharks from The Ringer. Jonathan, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, absolutely. So, and you know, in your article, you're you're just kind of breaking down this Pacers team, and, you know, in, in studying this roster and what you've seen from this team so far, what are, uh, I guess, what's the biggest thing that stood out to you uh, with this Pacers team without Oladipo? Well, I mean, I guess the number one thing is just how well Brogdon has played. I mean, I was always a big uh, Brogdon fan. He was awesome in Milwaukee, but I wasn't totally sure how he would do as a primary option. He's been great. Yeah, I mean, obviously Brogdon is someone who really has the Pacers at where they are now. He's a big reason for that success. But, Jonathan, being a small market team like the Pacers, you know, you're not really going to find us on ESPN and all that. What inspired you to pick the Pacers for this article? Do you really think that they cover you guys a little bit, don't they? Ah, they cover us if we're playing LeBron and stuff like that. But they're really not giving too much love uh, to the Pacers, despite you know a, a record right now, six uh, best wins in the NBA. I would love to see a little bit more coverage. I think you'll get some more when Oladipo comes back. I mean, for me... I don't really have to worry about that kind of stuff. I live whatever I want for the most part. So I thought it was an interesting team. 
Right, and I think I think if you look at the Pacers' uh, national schedule, they do have some you know nationally televised games once Oladipo does return because he is the star potential for this or the star on this team. So that makes a lot of sense. But one of the players that's having a breakout year this year is Demontis Sabonis. You know, entering that starting lineup, playing some power forward. Now Miles Turner did miss eight games this season, so he get he got to play some at the center. I think that's when he really started rolling, but. You know, he's had, I'm not even sure how many double-doubles at, at at this point right now. But, you know, Sabonis has just been on fire this season. What have you liked from Sabonis this year? And is there anything you've noticed that he's changed in his game? You know, the interesting thing is I don't feel like he's changed much at all. Mm-hmm. I feel like he was great last year, too. Really, the guy who's changed, it's Turner, I think. I think that's been a big, what I've noticed, it's him becoming more of a stretch five that's what's allowed Sabonis to play more minutes and get more room inside to get his stats, right? Because right. he's always gotten his stats. It's just his minutes were capped before because him and Turner couldn't play together. And now it seems like because Turner's taking a step back, it's allowed Sabonis to take a step forward. It's definitely an interesting perspective there. One of the things you highlighted there was the plus-minus rating of Sabonis and Turner playing together. Uh, the article that came out, I believe, last Monday – uh, had them at, at at the moment a plus rating of 5.1, their best rating together in the last you know few years playing together. Is this something that can coexist for years to come? Because as you know, both are signed for the next few years. I think it comes down to Turner, right? He's still very young. He's averaging, I think it's like 11 points a game. It's probably his lowest in a couple seasons. Yeah. So the, the question to me is, will he be willing to continue taking a step back? I don't know the answer to that question. I think it can work, but it's going to require him sacrificing. And he's such a young guy, I'm not sure if he's ready to do that permanently. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's kind of one of the question marks here, too, because we've seen Miles take a, a major step back with this team. And last night was the first night, and I can't even remember, probably the opening night against the Pistons where he led the team in shot attempts, and they pretty much just manhandled the Hornets last night. So, you know, it's good to see Miles' confidence growing a little bit, but at the same time, I know that it's difficult with him taking a backseat to the usage of Brogdon and Warren and Lamb and Sabonis with that starting lineup. Like, he's become the fifth option, essentially. So I'm right there with you. I just, you know, like you mentioned, 23 years old, I have a feeling that he's not going to enjoy taking a back seat. But, you know, another young guy on this Pacers team that has really been playing well of late is Aaron Holiday, a guy that was not really in the rotation at the beginning of the season when when McMillan was uh, playing McConnell and Edmund Sumner over him. But now he's really been playing well over the last three games, averaging 18 points and shooting 63% from the field and 50% from three. What do you like about Aaron Holiday? He's just a well-rounded player. There's not really any glaring holes in his game. I mean, he's maybe not a pure point guard, but he's a good passer. He's a good shooter. He can mm-hmm. dribble. He can defend his position, which I think a lot of these Pacers guys are just very well-rounded. And I think you're seeing as he plays better, the team is playing better because it gives you another option. I think the idea is when Oladipo comes back, he gives you those scoring numbers, but in a 6'4", 220-pound guard. Yeah, I'm very excited to see that because that's something you highlighted in the article. The, the depth and the new faces around Oladipo, I think, is really going to be it's going to pay off for once he comes back. He doesn't have to do too much as a team around it. But coming into the year, Zach Lowe, you know, 
predicted the Pacers to miss the playoffs. It was something that all Pacers fans were shocked by. Being, I'm not sure what your team is, but being maybe a, a non-Pacer fan, what did you expect for this team coming into the year without Oladipo? I was higher on them just because it's such a big Brogdon guy. I figured they'd be able to hold the fort down. I wrote an article about it like in July, I think, or something. So I was a little surprised that Zach picked him up to miss the playoffs. I think they'll be in good shape now. Yeah, it was it was a bit surprising as well. I think Zach was just trying to have a little fun with it, and these were his bold predictions as well. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of get why he was trying to be bold there. But um, I know you cover the draft uh, quite a bit for the ringer as well, and the Pacers drafted a big man from Georgia, Gogo Bataze, who's – you know, been okay in some of the minutes he's played. He's been in a reduced role uh, recently. But um, what do you like about Gogo Bataze, and do you think he's got a bright future? Yeah, I think he's a good player. I mean, he's got a, I think the idea with him is that he'll eventually be a stretch big man, kind of like mm-hmm. Miles, actually, but probably a little more skilled, Miles athletic. The question is, was he drafted because you're going to trade Miles eventually? I don't know. It's just hard. It's hard to have three centers in one team. Well, what's your gut feeling on that? Miles, but it's hard to trade a center, right? Mm-hmm. Not many teams need one. To me, it wouldn't stun me if they just roll with the guys they have. And if Gogo's out the mix, he's out the mix. He's just a mid-run first-round pick. I think he's very talented, but I wonder if he sticks there long-term. I don't know. I don't think all three bigs will. Eventually, one has to go. It sounds like one of them eventually does have to go. I don't understand how three centers are going to continue to grow together. But one of those centers... year and we highlighted on Brogdon before is it possible for both Brogdon and Sabonis to make the all-star team because the Pacers are they do have a very good record right now could you see both of them making it or if it's just one who do you see making that uh, all-star bid um it'd probably be uh Brogdon because he's the guard guards can drive the offense more than bigs and um Turner's more the defensive big but I don't know I mean it's possible I have to look at the numbers I haven't looked at them yet because it's all, it's all about um, – it's a team award, right? If you get mm-hmm. two all-stars, that says more about your team generally, unless you're talking about guys like Katie and Steph or something. Right. But if you're yeah. talking about good players, it's all about team success. So to get two, you'd probably have to get to, like, the fourth or fifth seed, so it might be tough. But Time for fifth yeah, right really, now. Well, they're fifth right now. Okay, well, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I think at this point, winning is going to be what's going to tip the scale. If the Pacers can be right around that fourth or fifth seed, like you said, I could see two All-Stars, but I think probably just Brogdon. Uh, it, it's been quite a while since the Pacers have had two All-Stars. I want to say maybe Ron Artest and Jermaine O'Neal. It's, it, it's, been, it's been quite some time. Um, I'd say Paul George and Roy Hibbert, actually. So, uh, you know, as, as we move on and kind of close out over here, can you tell us a little bit about what other work that you have coming out right now and what we could stay tuned for? Yeah. Um, I've got something coming on uh, Porzingis, working on something with Harden and Westbrook. Just, you know, covering the league, trying to do the best I can for Christmas. Well, absolutely. We enjoy all your work at the Ringer. I know I, I do. I Kind of miss you on the podcast. What, what's going on there? Are you, are you not doing any more podcasts besides just uh, occasional guest appearances? Actually, I'm on the um, – so we do the Wednesday pod, the group chat. I'm on that every week now. Oh, you're we on We start doing now? the uh, corner three. But yeah, but I'm on that one every week now. 
Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, well, I knew you used to be on the Corner 3 show and then the the draft class, so I just I hadn't been hearing you as much with the uh, Friday podcast. So uh, good to know that I can find you on Wednesdays. And if you guys are fans of the Ringer NBA show, you can find Jonathan's uh, podcast on there. So uh, once again, we thank you for coming on, and uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Have a good one. Right, thanks good. a lot. All right, Fachi, it's been a long episode. We've had a lot of technical difficulties with recording, but it all worked out in the end. We hopefully uh, get this episode out without any major issues, and we hope you guys enjoyed what we had for you today. Yeah, hey, it was an awesome episode. Great talk with Jonathan Sharks. I think that, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed that one. Love to hear some feedback and uh, any uh, ratings or reviews that you can mention. However, guys, we got the Bucks coming in. Uh, we're playing them this week. I mean, this is going to be a big game. I hope to uh, maybe hear some voicemails afterwards on your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. And in any way possible, we can make the show better. Absolutely. You know, and we did get a voicemail from Big Glenn, but we're not going to play that one yet. Uh, so we'll have to wait and play that one for a, pre, uh, for a future episode. But if you want to call in and leave us a voicemail, that number, once again, is 317 317- 886-0415, and I'll repeat that one more time. Call them whenever you want. Leave a voicemail. Ask us any questions you want us to answer on the podcast. It's 317-886-0415. So we will talk to you all next week. You can follow us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can follow Fachi at underscore F-A-C-C-I, and you can follow me on Twitter at AlexGoldenMBA. And, of course, follow us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. So hope you all have a great week and peace out, Pacer Nation. Let's go, Pacers. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.